When America was largely a Christian country, or at least acted like one, a few things were different than they are today, things we shouldn't ignore. First, we were able to raise our kids to assimilate into culture, because cultural norms of the day tended to line up with a biblical worldview, and most everyone, even unbelievers, accepted them. For those who didn't, they still understood right from wrong. They simply chose to do wrong. In fact, many hardened criminals viewed people of faith as those to be respected and, when possible, emulated. These days, however, we've lost our common understanding of right and wrong. And that means that for Christian parents, culture no longer backs us up. Faith in God is now frowned upon. It's discouraged, openly mocked, and, well, depending on how you choose to live it out, can even get you arrested. Today on Licensed to Parent, a look at one very influential part of culture, the entertainment we consume. How much has the entertainment world had to do with this shift in cultural norms? And could changing our entertainment consumption at home in any way help us raise kids who are better able to influence culture for good and for God rather than simply becoming its next moral victims? Adam Holtz, director of media at Focus on the Family and publisher of Plugged In, shares his thoughts with us today on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again. Great to have you joining us for another edition of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Now, Shepherd's Hill, if you're not familiar with this, is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherd's Hill, Trey Sembry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, we often say that Licensed to Parent provides insight for today's culture. And though we don't say that on every program, we definitely do our best to, well, uh, to drive home to parents just how much power our culture actually has, not just over our kids, but over us as parents and how we raise them. In your opinion, are parents catching on to any of this yet? (laughs) Well, the answer, uh, as I see it, is yes and no. Uh, Yes, parents know our culture is a big influencer in the lives of their kids, but uh, no, Rich, I don't think they have a clue as to just how much influence our systemically mentally ill culture is having on their kids, or on themselves for that matter. Uh, If parents actually did understand this, I doubt that they'd be giving out these little cultural pocket idols, these addictive adult toys we call smartphones to their kids in the way they do today. But... uh, I also don't think parents realize just how much the media and entertainment world has influenced their own parenting style. Uh, it's brought a worldview I- into the equation that uh, I don't b- believe came from Scripture. Uh, it's like God's ecosystem got totally turned you know, upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've become a, a child-centric society, uh, both in the home and in our culture. It's gotten so crazy, Rich, that... Uh, in this, you know, blank you, mom and dad generation, six-year-olds are now, you know, given the authority to defy biology and, and objective reality by being given the liberty to demand sex changes uh, for themselves. And I, I think media and entertainment have played a huge role in all this. I mean, even President Biden, who, uh, when he was vice president, rightly stated that the TV show Will and Grace did more to normalize and promote the LGBT agenda than about anything he could think of. So as parents, you know, we've got to wake up to what our 24-7, 365 media entertainment world has done to our society and what it can potentially do to our kids and to our families. You know, that's only if we let it, folks, because mm-hmm. like a lot of things, both media and entertainment can be used as tools to build us up or weapons to tear us down. And, you know, Trace, the thing that, that surprises and I guess simultaneously scares me so much is... Uh, 
how sneaky it is. How you know we don't even often realize the the changes that take place in our entertainment consumption. You know, we used to watch this, and now this has gotten a bit more risque, but we're still watching it, and then that leads us down the path to the next thing. Well, I I will tell you, I have been anxious to have today's guest join us on the program because. Uh, he's a man who's been looking at entertainment and culture for, for quite a while, and he, he does so. I'll, I'll put air quotes around it. He does it professionally. Um, Adam Holtz uh, served as associate editor of NAV Press's Discipleship Journal and was consulting editor for Current Thoughts and Trends, uh, but he now oversees the editing and publishing of Plugged In's reviews um, as that's uh, website's director. Uh, now, his official title is director of media at Focus on the Family. So he has definitely got some personal insight into the cultural influences that media and the internet are having on our families. Uh, speaking of families, Adam and his wife Jennifer have three children of their own, all in their teen years. And uh, Adam says that in their free time, their entertainment choices uh, include playing games, playing a variety of musical instruments, swimming, and yes, watching movies. So <laughs> he's he's hopefully fo- following his own advice. But Adam, <laughs> so glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining us on Licensed to Parent. Thanks so much for having me on today, guys. Absolutely. Hey, Adam, tell us a little bit about uh, the mission of Plugged In, for those who may not be familiar with it. Uh, sure. Uh, what you offer families through this ministry and, and how kids and parents can benefit uh, alike uh, from the work you do there. Well, Plugged In, which you'll find at PluggedIn.com, is a ministry of focus on the family. We have been evolving since 1990. We started as a newsletter. We became a 16-page magazine that went out monthly. In 1999, we added the website. And in 2009, we became a web-only publication. So each week, our staff publishes oh between 20 and 25 different pieces of content to help you navigate popular culture. And what we want to do is twofold. We want to give you uh, an understanding of what's happening out there in the culture so that you can make a wise and biblically discerning decision for yourself about whether you or your children consume that or not. So we publish uh, usually four to six movie reviews a week. Um, we usually publish three to five TV reviews. We also do reviews of books, uh, music, um, YouTube channels, and video games. So we really try to cover the gamut of, of the, the buzziest things out there in pop culture. Now, having said that, I will throw this caveat in that as you know, digital media has exploded, The sheer quantity of content out there is staggering. In 2019 alone, Netflix had 800 original movies and TV shows. And that's just Mm -hmm. one outlet. And that leads me to my second sort of overarching point. And in some ways, I think this one is even more important. We want to help you make choices on a a movie-by-movie or show-by-show basis. But we also want to equip you as parents with the ability to think in terms of biblical worldview as it relates to entertainment. And you mentioned I work for Discipleship Journal. I I really think this is a a discipleship issue, Mm -hmm. especially since research shows that the average tween and teen, depending on which study you look at, you know, is is on screen somewhere between 6 and 12 hours a day. And COVID has just jacked those numbers up even further. So. What we want is not only the ability to say, okay, this has a bad scene in it, this has language in it we don't like, we're going to avoid that, but what does it look like to cultivate an environment in your family where your kids 
uh, are growing in their ability to discern what's right, what's true, what's noble, what's good, you know, as Paul talks about in Philippians 4.8. Um, and so that's a process, right? That's a, that's a question and answer process. Uh, to use a big word, there's a dialectic there that moves from simply avoiding things that we know are bad to beginning to foster conversations about, about worldview. How do we think about this? How does this compare to our faith? Uh, my kids get tired of me using the word worldview, but uh, when we have a conversation about something that's just a natural part of our lives, it's not, uh, it doesn't feel weird. It just becomes a part of the way our family culture thinks and lives. And so I think on a, on a bigger level, Plugged In hopes to be uh, a resource and also our parenting department at Focus on the Family where we're equipping you to grow in your ability to lead those conversations yourself with your kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily rate uh, the things or suggest good or bad entertainment. Uh, you let people kind of decide their, for themselves or uh, can you clarify that a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say uh, the answer in some ways is both yes and no. <laughs> um, okay. And I would say we're trying to sort of split the difference between here's how you should think about this because we want people to think on their own. For a while, we had uh, a five-star rating system on our movie reviews, and we ended up getting rid of that because we kept getting letters from people saying, you know, I'm so glad you've got this, you know, the system of rating because I don't have to think about it. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. we wanted yeah, it to be... the point. No, that's not the <laughs> point. We wanted right. it to be, um, you know, a, a sort of thumbnail overview of what we thought. Um, but I think because we live in a culture where everything is moving so quickly, we moved away from that on our written reviews. We still do it on one of our radio reviews each week. Um, but I think we walk a line between wanting to give people the information about what's there and giving them space to make their own decisions, but definitely giving guidance as to, yeah, this may be one that, that you want to lean away from. And because there is so much stuff out there, increasingly, we have published uh, regular lists of things that are streaming now that are family friendly, just to give you a little bit of, you know, a leg up. Because I saw an article recently, the average person, when they get on their television and on a streaming service to figure out what to watch, it takes them nine minutes to make a choice. Like we're so, we're so inundated with choice. So we are trying to cut through that clutter a little bit in a helpful way. Um, but we want people to think we don't want people to just be mindless consumers. And so that's yeah, always but, a tension. Yeah. And I want to, I want to bring something up here. I, I, you know, I hear people all the time and I, this is going to get me cards and letters. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I hear all the time, the American public isn't stupid. And you know what? We're darn sure naive. And yeah. I think that the amount of digital information that's coming to us is atrophying our critical, constructive, and creative thinking capacities. Absolutely. So do we need to move the needle a little bit more toward, let's help them? Because our motto here is, you know, we don't want to teach your kids what to think. We want to teach your kids how to think so then they'll exactly. know what to think. Exactly, exactly. And yet... You kind of have to, you know, put the training wheels on them and, and kind of guide them in a right direction so that they're not continually getting a, a, a steady diet of Game of Thrones, uh, you know, and, right. which I know for a fact that there are Christian families where that's a staple in their home and their kids yep. are watching them with them. 
And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Is anyone going to speak up and say the emperor is naked here? You right. Know, and in Game is, of Thrones, that's literally the case. You know, it's not, it's not a metaphor. I've never seen it, so I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, you've got uh, uh, Ephesians and Colossians and, and Jesus himself in the Gospels talking about don't cause them to stumble. And in uh, Ephesians and Colossians, Paul's talking about don't exasperate, don't provoke them yep. to anger. But my gosh, isn't that exactly what we're doing, particularly with smartphones? I mean, we're giving yeah. these kids these addictive adult toys and expecting them to do with them uh, what they are not capable of doing. And I'm just, that, that's a subject probably we need to talk about after the break because uh, we are coming up on a break. And, we we uh, do indeed need to take a break. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Adam Holtz. He's Director of Media and Culture at Focus on the Family, also the Site Director of Plugged In, which is the publication we're talking about. And uh, discernment is what we're talking about. Uh, the old adage, uh, if you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a day. If you teach him to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. We're talking about learning discernment in our entertainment choices so that we can make wise and godly and biblically worldview-based decisions about the entertainment we consume. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, back with more with Adam Holtz right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on resources and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by troubledteen.org. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, by extension, working with their families. Now, our goal here on the program is to take some of the wisdom that we learn in the proving ground of Shepherds Hill day after day after day and export it so you can be a bit more intentional uh, in your parenting. And one of the things that we do see every day is the 
negative influence that uh, entertainment and that 24-7 access to it through smartphones, for example, has not only on our kids, but on us as adults as well. And that's one of the things we speak about so passionately here on the program. And our guest today is Adam Holtz, who's Director of Media and Culture at Focus on the Family. And he's the site director of Plugged In, where all they do is evaluate media choices and uh, all that's out there in, in terms of digital entertainment and print entertainment and everything else, and try to give you the tools to be a bit more discerning in the choices that you and your family make. Trace? Well, Adam, uh, culture has been defined as the ideas, interactions, and institutions that tell a people group how to think, feel, and act. Media and entertainment have had such a big influence on our American culture that, uh, uh, and, and, you know, our, our culture has also been a big influence on what's being produced and entertainment and media. So it's like the, what came first, the chicken or the egg. Uh, yep. Generally speaking, as a society, do you think we we get the media and entertainment we demand and therefore deserve? Yeah, I think so. I, and I want to quote youth culture expert Walt Mueller, who has a, uh, an organization called the Center for Parent Youth Understanding up in Pennsylvania. Sure. He says that entertainment, uh, especially for kids, but I think it's true for adults as well. And I think we need to be serious about the influence that media and entertainment can have on us as adults as well. He says that entertainment is a map and a mirror. And so you'll sometimes hear people say, you know, if there's a controversy about something that is particularly gratuitous, you'll hear, you know, creators say, well, it doesn't really influence anybody. We're just reflecting what's happening with the culture. Well, that's somewhere between naive, disingenuous, and a straight-up lie because we know that it influences how we think. Uh, it influences our worldview. And, and I've used that word a couple times now. And by worldview, I mean it answers the questions, what's right, what's normal, what's good, what is to be embraced, and what is to be shunned. And so Walt Mueller says... It's a map in that it directs where we're already going, and it's a mirror in that it does reflect our current moment. So you're right. There's the chicken and egg thing, and, and I think that we get into a cycle where uh, that reinforcement is happening. And for example, when I was growing up, I had a, a handful of friends that had cable package with HBO. And you know, when you're a teen kid, everybody knows that there's some pretty nasty stuff on HBO. And it's like, oh, HBO, right? Well, now there's 100 HBOs and they're all competing with each other and we don't think anything of it. You know, we've got Netflix, we've got Amazon Prime, we've got Hulu and Paramount Plus. And, you know, the list of streaming outlets seems to grow almost day by day. And for example, there's a new show out on Amazon Prime right now called The Wheel of Time. It's based on a, a really popular fantasy series. I read the series as a teen. There's not any sexual content in it at all, but there's a lot of sexual content in the show. And so there's this pressure. It's like an arms race, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we had Game of Thrones come along and now we have shows where if you don't have all this violence and gratuity and sexuality, it's almost like you can't compete. And, and what's happening is, whereas we had one outlet when I was growing up that a few of my friends would have had access to, and that was even, you know, if they got up at two in the morning and their parents weren't home, uh, where now we have it all streaming through our phones constantly. And unless parents are pretty intentional, their kids have access to all of it and and we don't even have any sense of, of peril or outrage 
that that's where we're at. There's a lot of desensitization there as a culture. I, big time, um, major league. And I think, uh, you know, you, you tell me, I, I think we all, we've almost had, uh, as a result of this uh, media glut, entertainment glut, uh, an idolatrous affair with, with entertainment. I mean, one of the most popular shows uh, in America at one time, anyway, was American Idol. Yeah. And I think, you know, th- there's a statement uh, that was made, uh, you can tell a lot about a person's spiritual life by looking at his checkbook. Right. The same thing could be said about uh, looking at their entertainment habits. Uh, would yes. you comment on that? Well, absolutely. And I mean, even you know, at any given time, you can look at your search history on your smartphone. And it's kind of amazing if you just take a look at the sites you've already looked at today. It's probably not six or eight like you've probably looked at hundreds of pages today and that that's what the internet has conditioned us to do and if i can take a just a little bit of a rabbit trail in terms of how the internet has affected our brains every time we see something we like online and it doesn't have to be something that's particularly nasty you know it can be a friend's update on facebook we get a little hit of dopamine in our brain sure. and dopamine is a neurotransmitter that makes us feel good the thing is, we get habituated to that, just like you can get, you know, habituated to drinking or to a drug. And so to get that little pleasurable hit, you have to keep coming back more and more frequently. Uh, and in his book, The Shallows, Nicholas Carr talked about the process of, of what that does to our brains, because we're constantly looking for that next little hit that momentarily makes us feel good. But what it has resulted in is it has really impacted our ability to think deeply, to be reflective, um, to be still. And so it's just a huge issue. I honestly think that that has contributed more than anyone believes about the naivety of, uh, of defunding the police, what you saw oh, in yeah. 2020, the, the, the cities being burnt down and people with their cognitive dissonance not connecting the dots as to why this is inside out way of thinking. Right. Uh, but Neil Postman wrote a book back, I think it was the 80s. Uh, it was 1984, was it? I think, actually. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, Apparently you've read this book. Uh, <laughs> I have it on it, my shelf. Was it entertaining ourselves to death? What Amusing ourselves to death. Amusing yeah. ourselves. Then, yeah. then Hart, Dr. Hart wrote, thrilled to death. But, you know, when we had four channels of TV, uh, Postman was writing about his stuff. Then as we morphed into cable, you know, then Hart comes with his stuff. And now he claimed that because of all this stuff, it's atrophying parts of the brain. And then uh, we are now, at, in 2007, before smartphones even came out, he's claiming right. that 80% of the American public was anhedonic, uh, yeah. which is a destruction of the pleasure center in the brain. Yep. Uh, basically, an addiction you know, uh, uh, to pleasure, kind of entertaining ourselves into imbecility. I think that's what we've done with our kids. They yep. don't feel good about themselves when that happens. I, just know I'm not opposed to kids having their own phones. If my kids sure. should talk, I want them to have a phone. Right. Uh, but not, not anything with the internet on it. But yeah. wouldn't getting unfettered access to, to smartphones out of the hands of kids be a good start to relieving our kids of the 24-7 cultural indoctrination they're getting from their current digital amusement glut? I mean, you can't even pull the lever on a slot machine until you're 21 years old because of the right. addictive nature of that device. And yet we're giving our, our 13-year-olds uh, 24-7 uh, access to uh, Larry Flint and, and a whole lot of snuff films and a whole lot worse. What yeah. are we thinking here? How did this happen? Well, I think it's 
the frog in the kettle, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. that it it has um, it has become normal in our culture, and we hit that threshold in 2012. That was when we hit a 50 percent saturation rate of smartphones with teens, and now we're probably at 85 or 90 or 95 percent that it is an assumed right. And as parents, you were talking about child-centric culture earlier. Um, it It's difficult when your kids are the only ones who don't have what all their friends have. And so as parents, But we can't that's, conflate difficulty with impossibility. Right. And, and, no, that's right. I'm, it, just, I'm it, just describing the world that's out there right now. No, no, no. I get you. And, but I could go on for... You know, obviously, this is a passion <laughs> of mine here. Um, yeah. I see what it's doing to our kids that we, you know, that come from all over the planet yeah. to get here. Uh, but we are out of time, brother. And I, I am so sorry about that. Maybe we'll have you back sooner than later and do this again. Yes, I'd love to come back because there's so much... To explore here, I wanted to say one other just super brief thing. I think Absolutely. we have to switch from, and this is a, an idea that I've stole from my boss, Dr. Danny Huerta, who has a book called The Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. We've got to reject the culture of consumerism. And oh, he boy. talks about the difference between consumption and contribution. Uh, yeah. And as Christians, we're invited to make a contribution with our lives, with our personality, with our gifts. And and so much about what we do in entertainment and with our smartphones is so focused on the gospel of consumption, which at the end of the day yeah. leaves our mouth dry and our souls impoverished. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam, before we let you go, uh, tell people how they can subscribe to Plugged In and, and what other resources you may have uh, through Plugged In or Focus that, that would be a benefit in this conversation. Well, you can just come to PluggedIn.com and all of our content is free and available there. And of course, we're part of Focus on the Family. We're a part of the parenting department. So for broader parenting resources, you can come to FocusOnTheFamily.com slash parenting. Uh, we have worked extensively with an author named Jonathan McKee in his most recent book, I believe is called Parenting Generation Screen. And you can find that one. And Jonathan has a lot of other books that relate to social media and just where we're at today. And we didn't even really talk about social media. That's a huge topic in and of itself. Uh, But those are all available in the Focus on the Family bookstore. And you can find a link to that on our site. Great. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your contribution to the program. Thank you, guys. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you. And this wraps up today's edition of Licensed to Parent. Incidentally, as Adam mentioned a moment ago, Dr. Danny Huerta was a recent guest on this program. If you'd like to hear that conversation or any of our past conversations, you can uh, find them on our website, which is licensedtoparent.org. Uh, While there, you can uh, also find out more about Shepherd's Hill Academy, our parent ministry. It's a year-long, Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. Please do remember, though, that the work we do to help families at Shepherd's Hill is only possible because of the help of very generous partners like you. If you'd like to join in the work that we do here, please consider a tax-deductible gift in any amount, especially as we approach the end of the year. This is a great time when you can give, get a tax benefit, and also bless others in the coming year. Your gift can help a child get enrolled in a program that can truly change his or her life and, by extension, can heal a family. 
And as we've said at the start of today's program, it's our hope that the teens who go through our program will not only see redemption in their lives, but will also become the change agents that this culture so desperately needs. Again, you can give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of the page when you visit licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel, inviting you to join us again next time and renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.